talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Thank you so much for downloading, for listening. Last week's episode, we talked all about the best from the West. All the awards for the best team, best players, best storylines from the spring 2021 season. Now, when we're talking about the best storyline, you have to talk United Township Panthers. This week, I sit down and talk with the head coach from United Township, Nick Welch. The Panthers had a four-game winning streak to end the season. They end at 4-2. and two. We talked to head coach Nick Welch about this season, about changing a culture, and about everything that went into this spring 2021 turnaround season for the Panthers. Now, before we jump into that interview, just a quick programming note. Going into this summer, in this off-season for football, we're going to switch to every other week. So a new podcast will be coming every two weeks. So next week will be a bye week. Then we'll jump back in with another episode. But to everyone who listens, who's downloaded, who subscribes, thank you so much. As you know, you can always find us on Twitter, at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email the show, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. And you can go out and find us on YouTube. Just head to YouTube and search View From The West Podcast. You'll find video clips from old shows. You'll find full-length one-on-one interviews with coaches that we did earlier this season. You'll also find our UniView power rankings for each conference. For the Western Big Six, the Three Rivers Athletic, the Lincoln Trail Conference, and the Northwest Upstate Illini. We go through, break down the uniforms, and we each choose our top three or top four from those conferences. You're going to want to watch the YouTube videos because that's the best way to get the visual aid for what we're talking about. When we're talking about a uniform, we're giving you the pictures, we're showing you what it looks like as we're describing it. So head on over to YouTube and check that out. Well, now we'll get into what everybody's here listening for. The head coach of the United Township Panthers, Nick Welch. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for, uh, you know, taking some time. Thanks for having us and uh, giving us an opportunity to talk a little bit about our program and the, the good year that we had. Yeah, so Nick, tell me about the spring. I haven't heard much about you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was a great spring. Um, you know, after not knowing if we were going to have a year and, you know, things changing frequently and you know you can do this you can't do that you can you can't do that but you can do this and okay now you can do this but this is the rules you can apply to it or whatever so it's been a circus uh basically what since last March 15th but you know we just kept holding out hope and we finally got that the green light I think in late January and you know I felt like our guys were preparing all along because I always said like stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Um, and luckily they, they listened for the most part. Uh, but we, we got to work and, you know, once the season started, you know, they always go fast, but then you, you hack a minimum three weeks off and it just flew by, but we're thankful for the opportunity and I'm glad we got that chance. Yeah, obviously, you know, I'm joking when I referenced that I hadn't heard much about you guys. I mean, you, you guys, the United Township Panthers were certainly the story in our area for our podcast, but I think around the state. I, I don't think there's any better story coming out of the spring football season than what you guys were able to accomplish. 
You won four games in a season for the first time since 03. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, four games in a season for the first time since 03. The last time you won four straight games was 2001. So, I mean, almost the entire lifetime of the kids that are playing now, essentially, is since that stuff had been done. What did it mean for you guys to, you know, to, to get that coverage and, and to get that notoriety? And even, even Steve Susie is, you know, kind of eating crow and talking about you guys across the state. Like, what does that mean for you? And is it a little validation for the work that you and your players have put in? It's, it's definitely validation for our players. And it's well-deserved because these kids have put so much time in. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's extra special because we didn't know we'd get the chance. but Obviously, the historical significance is very relevant for our, our guys. I mean, your entire life you grow up and you've never seen, you know, these kids, they're 17, 18 years old, some 16, some 15. They've never seen a, a winning record from a UT football team in their entire life. Yeah. Um, they've never seen, uh, you know, in years since they were probably seven years old, a UT football team win a Western Big Six football game. Uh, and yet, for all the reasons why most people might not play football, they stuck with it. Um, we had some new kids come out. We had guys that have been a part of the program for four years. And, you know, it's funny because when Susie made that write-up on Friday Night Drive, I, we, we use Google Classroom to communicate. And – I posted that on Google Classroom probably five minutes later. <laughs> and then I actually had the, the reason why it took five minutes is my buddy messaged me and he's like, did you see the Western Big Six predictions? And he, he coaches at DeKalb. And I was like, no, I don't have an account. And he's like, here's my account. You probably want to look at it. And I was excited. I'm like, oh, we're going to get some love. Somebody thinks we're going to be good. <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, we got no love. And then I sent it to our leadership council the little group chat we have and you know it was it's just fuel to the fire but you know I I know he probably doesn't know a whole lot about the Western Big Six you know he's a suburban football coverage is his wheelhouse but I also know how much time he puts in you know I I grew up from there I'm from Oswego I I coached at Plainfield North for three years he was part of our coverage uh, when we were at Plainfield and you know, I know how much he does, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to use that as a motivating factor. But, you know, these kids were pretty self-motivated, but we'll take any additional motivation we can get. Well, I suppose at the end of the day, it's better that you went in thinking the prediction was going to be good, but it was bad. But then you guys ended up being good and the prediction looked bad. So that's, I suppose, the best way to end that scenario for you. I, uh, I actually screenshotted it, put it on a Google slide and printed off like 50 copies. And we were in the middle of class and we were taking a test. So I have a co-teacher who stayed in here. And the next passing period, I started handing it out to all of our kids that walked by. I, I'm just the kind of person, I love being the underdog. Like when I was a player, I, I just, I, I always enjoyed people doubting myself or my team. Um, and I've kind of tried to bring that mentality to our players uh, to have a chip on your shoulder and always trying to find an angle. I'm just, it's just the competitive nature uh, that was probably raised in me, starting with my mom and my brother. 
Uh, and I've taken it with me in my life. So it's just who I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I think it's great. I think that that, you know, that's what it takes to kind of turn that culture around. Talk about this, this season, heading into this spring season. And what did you guys think you had? And, you know, you guys internally may have had big goals, but the realities were the wins hadn't come lately. So even when there was talent in years past, results weren't necessarily showing up. You know, so what did you think going in and what did you know you had to do to kind of flip that script? Well, you know, the one thing that kind of confused me was, is we had so many guys coming back and I know we hadn't won games, but in 2019, we basically had four or five seniors playing the rest were juniors. And, you know, we were, had the lead or were tied in the fourth quarter four times. And I mean, Quincy was bad. Moline was bad and Sterling ended up getting bad. But, you know, we're tied at halftime. We actually have a one-point lead on Geneseo week nine at halftime. We're going blow-to-blow with Rocky into the fourth quarter uh, at their place. We had the lead against Davenport West, and they score with two minutes left. And uh, in Allman, we were down big, and we came all the way back. They had to secure our onside kick to win the game, so – Yep. And no. you had Galesburg, you only fell two points short, I think. So I was looking through the schedule and it, yeah, you had several that were right there. And Galesburg, we had a two touchdown lead and uh, they had a long drive in the third quarter. They basically ate up the entire clock because they came out. We got a pick, pick six, They uh, the first possession, the second possession, they came out. We got another pick. We go down and score. We didn't get the ball back until the last possession of the fourth quarter. Because they go down super long drive, they scored, chewed up a bunch of clock, and when they kicked off, we fumbled the kick. It hit our chest, we bobbled it, and it kind of rolled forward. A uh, little bit reminiscent of how we recovered that kick in Sterling, but not as much of a deflection. And then they got the ball back, chewed up even more clock, scored. But we went down, scored pretty quickly, and then got stopped on the two point. We were out of timeouts, and that was it. But you know, there was a lot of games that we were in, and. You know, everyone keeps, oh, you're competitive, you're getting better. But, you know, this group didn't want to just be competitive. You know, there was a lot of talent. And, they, you know, they were there was tears shed a lot in 2019 um, because they worked so hard. And I think it was such a change-up in terms of our expectations. I know it was a change-up. We expected a lot out of them. And when, and when you're doing everything your coaches are asking and you're not necessarily getting your results, that can get pretty disappointing. So – they continued to do that. You know, we had pre-COVID 6 a.m. workouts. We had over 50 guys in the weight room at 6 a.m. You know, when people first said, you know, we practice at 6 a.m. all summer. That's just what we do. Oh, nobody's going to show up. Well, they showed up and they worked hard. And, oh, no one's going to show up for the workouts. Well, they showed up and they worked hard. And then COVID happened. And, you know, I don't, I'll be honest, I never thought we weren't going to play in the fall. Like, there was never a doubt until late July. I'm like, wait, we're not going to play. But, I, you know, we stayed with it. We, we continued. You know, over COVID, these kids were awesome. They were doing at-home workouts. We had weekly Zoom meetings. I divided up the team between all the coaches. And it was, are you doing your schoolwork? Are you doing your at-home workouts? How's your well-being? Like, how's your mind? How's your family? How's your body? Like, this was a tough time for everybody. Um, we did a few team Zoom meetings. I had a leadership Zoom meetings. So we were doing all these things, trying to keep tabs on them. Um, I was posting myself running to keep them motivated because if Coach Welch can run, there's no reason you can't run. But we we really felt that we were going to be 
competing for a conference championship. There was never a doubt. And then I'll be honest, the only time I really doubted our season was that mid-January, you know, uh, Chicago Tribune article by Michael O'Brien where basketball's done and football's hanging on by a thread. And I, I'll be honest, I, I'm man enough to admit it, that that night was the first night I felt we weren't going to play. And I sat in my basement floor and I cried for about 20 minutes because I just thought about everything these kids have been through and everything they've done. They've literally done everything we'd asked of them. And, you know, when you're trying to turn around a culture, they need that return on investment. So I've done all of these things you've asked of me, coach. And you promised me if we wore a mask, if we social distance, if, if we followed the rules, like there was no 11 on 11 contact in our fall stuff or summer stuff. There was no pads on. It was helmets and masks. We were hitting hand shields. I mean, some teams didn't do that, and that's fine. Do your own thing. But I said that we're going to do what we're asked to do because we got to slow the spread. You know, we didn't know. But then as college football got going, as the NFL got going, you know, it was obvious that football was not a super spreader. But I understand why we didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know. We don't know anything about this thing. But we started to figure stuff out. But that night, it was tough. And our boys' basketball team was playing in the Betplex League along with 30 other Illinois high school teams. So there was also the uh, Prep Red Zone Showcase that night. So I wanted to go up, watch Dasla and some of our other guys playing basketball. Didn't know if I was going to be able to watch them. And our other guys, we had about seven kids competing in the showcase. And like 10 of our seniors came up to me and they're like, Coach, are we not going to play? And I'll be honest, I, I didn't know what to say. And I could stare them in the eyes for the a year the six months prior and say, we will get a chance to play. And I didn't know if we were going to play. So that was probably the toughest conversation I had through this whole thing. And then, you know, well, coach, I don't know if I'm going to go to school anymore or how am I going to get to play college football? If we don't get this season, I'm not getting a lot of looks. That was actually from Kane Smith. And, you know, I said, well, let's just stay ready. So we don't have to get ready. Who knows? And then literally the next Friday, Oh, we get to play. And I'm like, wow, that, that escalated quickly. But we were thankful for the opportunity. Um, and it, it was honestly just such a whirlwind. Um, I don't think I've ever made so many schedules. I don't know if I ever will make as many schedules or groups or this or that. And Okay, this is what, how many people we can have. This is, how, this is how long we have the weight room. Okay, so I got to get this amount of kids in the weight room in this amount of time. And we can't have anybody intersecting each other. So they got to come in this door and they got to go out that door and we got to spray down this and we need to have, it was insane, but it didn't matter because we got a chance to play and, and they surpassed outside expectations. And I bet if you talk to our guys, they say they wish they could have the first two back because the way we played the last four weeks of the season, if we run those back, there might be different results, but we can't change that. And we're happy the way we went out. Yeah, that was going to be when we jumped in to talk about this season, you know, a little bit more specifically. I wanted to ask you about when you're, when you're you know, leaving Quincy, and oh. I believe it was 33 14? 35, 35, uh, 35 22. Okay, yep, yep. yep. So, so um, you know, yeah, that's, a, that's a long drive down, and it's a long drive back when you lose. Oh, and then, yes. <laughs> so, so you, you, you fall that time, that week in week one, 
And then the following week, you compete against Rocky, but you fall a little bit short. So there you go. You're staring at 0-2 again. What was, the, what was the talk, you know, in those first couple weeks when it's like, you know, we're putting in the effort, and again, the results aren't coming again. What was the mindset? What was the discussions? Take me in the locker room then. Well, after Quincy, you know, I just think we didn't play a very good first half. I mean, we didn't. It was by far our worst half of football this season. And the second half, we woke up. I mean, the fourth quarter, they were holding the ball the entire time. Because they're like, we can't, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but I don't think they thought they could stop us. Yeah. And they couldn't. We got going. We kind of got in our groove. You know, it was like we had to sh- shake the rust off. I mean, Dasa had literally had 10 practices for an hour and a half, you know. Yeah. And he's, he's the guy with the keys to the ignition. He ends up playing the entire game because after the first or second possession, he played the entire game at corner. And, you know, it's a timing thing with him when you're the quarterback and your meshes and all that stuff. Um, so that was a challenge. And then, you know, after the Quincy game, I said, hey, you know, there's things we need to fix. And it was obvious that we beat ourselves that game. So, you know, we said, you know, we're going to go week two. You know, we're going we're gonna to practice better. We practice hard. We need to practice harder. We need to practice better. We need to prepare better. And it starts with me. So I needed to do a better job of getting our quarterback ready and getting our, our team ready. And we went into this, you know, Rocky game. We felt pretty good. You know, they have dudes all over the field. So we had a good feeling like it's going to – we're going to have to work our tails off on defense, but we got to score on offense. Um, And we did a lot of scoring, but there was a couple possessions we left out there, and that ended up hurting us, you know. Um, We had to be perfect. And, unfortunately, they scored every time they had the ball, and we didn't. So – um after week two there was a lot of tears and the look in their eyes was never defeat but it was like coach you said it would change and I told them and said starts me I got to be better you know we got to prepare and I just you know I had faith you know when we after the game like well I always asked our one of our people what are the scores because I I have no idea I'm like, oh, Moline lost to Allman. I'm like, huh? Moline lost to Allman? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what the heck happened? And I'm still focused on our game. I'm frustrated. But I thought we played better against Rocky. Um, There was plays on defense. It was really third and long and fourth and long that killed us, you know, letting up some throws over our head. But I thought we defended the run well. And I didn't realize that Moline was going to go straight bombs over Baghdad, <laughs> air raid offense. So watching that Allman film, I'm like, whoa, like, okay, this is different. And I felt, personally, I felt better about defending that than defending the wing tee. Uh, so we said week three was grit. We got to be gritty. We got to dig deep. You know, the Badlands are coming to town. They're our rival. Um, and I think for our kids, probably the school that talks the most junk to our kids so a lot of motivation on that end and instead of throwing in the towel we we had our best week of practice they were locked in all week and you know on defense coach Pav did a great job because we had to prepare for the wing tee because we knew that's what they who they are but we had to prepare for the spread because that's who they'd shown and you know they had a lot on their plate and at first, they were running a decent amount of wing tee at us. Um, and the first half was a little back and forth. Um, 
And then in the second half, I'll be honest, at halftime, I, I said to the group, I said, is somebody going to put their freaking shoulder pad on Matthew Bailey's chest? Because he's running around like he's gosh dang Superman. And Izzy Lumedronon took that personally. Uh, and there was a drive. They're driving down on uh, its fourth and two. And the first down's on the two. So if they get that, they're, they're there, you know. And Matt, they ran, they ran bootleg with Matthew, and Izzy popped it. And it actually sent Matthew backwards, which is a different kind of cat. So that was a heck of a hit. We get the ball back, and then two plays later, Kane breaks off that 85-yard run, and we never look back, you know. Um, and, that, and I told him after that game, I said, and I kept telling him, once we get one, it's going to be like an avalanche. Like, get, like, we literally have to get this monkey off our back because – the first one is always the hardest. When I was at Plainfield North, we'd never won a playoff game. We didn't playoffs multiple times. And I heard from Coach Kane, fellas, the first one's the hardest. We win one, we get that good draw, crazy things are going to happen. Sure enough, we get a home playoff game against Highland Park. We beat them. We go to Bradley Bourbonnet, the number one seed in 7A, and it's 35 nothing in the first half, and you could hear crickets. And we ended up going all the way down the state. I mean, it was true. So I, I had that belief, and I knew this group – you know, because once they got one, they were that that confidence. They they who they are, the confident group. It's just going to validate. Okay, we're pretty good. You know, and off we went, and it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a lot of fun to watch too. It, it was fun to follow along with your season. It seems like uh, you know maybe that Moline opponent was the you know right place, right time for you. That was maybe the team you needed, and that was when you needed them, and. You know, you talked about Kane Smith, you know, breaking off that run. That was, uh, you know, rinse, wash, and repeat. That happened a lot this season. What, where, you know, where did he come from? What, you know, tell me his story because it seems like, man, he burst onto this spring scene and good for him, good for the program. It's just, it was awesome to watch. Um, Kane, uh, <laughs> the only you know, if you ask Kane, he was never surprised. He knew this was the kind of player he was. And I think that comes from, one, he's a confident kid. Uh, two, he loves football, like loves football. Um, he, he eats it. He sleeps it. He dreams it. I mean, it's everything to him. Um, and, you know, in going into his junior year that summer, Kane had a little bit of a struggle waking up at 6.15 in the morning for practice. So he had missed a couple. And, Telvin Chapman was a, a senior captain for us, and we kind of split carries. It was, it was almost even, carries and yards. Um, and, and we had put up a good amount of points my first year here, but we, you know, more than we had in the last eight or nine years, but not as much as Moline had put up or Rocky had put up or Sterling for that matter. So our offense, you know, whatever, we kind of slid under the radar. Dostley got a lot of publicity, as he deserved, because he's a good player too. Um, but this year, Kane was locked in. I mean, he had ambitions. He wants to play at the next level. Um, he kept asking me what he needed to do. You know, you got to get in the weight room. He put on 20 pounds. I mean, if you, if you see the kid, he's put together now. You know, he's 195 pounds, six foot back. That's a big man. And uh, he was very focused in practice. You know, Coach Pav also coaches the running backs, our defensive coordinator. Um, you know, he was focused in film, watching – you know, the things we, we film every practice, almost all of our segments uh, that it has like a competition period to it. So whether that's, 
you know, inside run, team, seven on seven, blitz pickup, whatever. And he took coaching. Um, and he was the epitome of stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And once we got going, I mean, the funny thing is, is the Quincy game, he ran for 150 yards and three touchdowns. And this was his worst game of the year. And everybody's like, oh, you guys lost to Quincy. Well, Kane Smith ran for 153 touchdowns. And he's like, coach, that wasn't enough. And I'm like, no, because we lost. He said, I'm going to get more. And I'm like, good, we need more. And, you know, we actually had two other running backs that we thought we would kind of split carries with, with Izzy and Lamont. And Kane basically took it and said, no, it's, it's mine. And I'll, I, hard to argue with, to be honest with you. But it helped that Lamont and Izzy were full-time starters on defense. So Kane took ownership. And, you know, I think he'd give his most credit to his offensive line. Uh, we had five seniors who all had multiple game experience. Uh, started with big man 51, Simon Wilson. In my opinion, the best offensive lineman in the conference. Um, he was voted the second best lineman in the conference, but that's fine. Um, the kid who got first was deserving. But in my opinion, you know, a total stud. And then, you know, Tay-Tay Hudakar, a left tackle. Um, we actually used to have them on the same side. We decided to put Tay-Tay on the left side at left tackle because we like to run power. And now he's the, you know, the front side block and we can get Simon pulling. Our left guard was a captain, Jackson Crawford, center Austin Sangmani, and then right tackle Tyler Damaris, probably the most improved player. When he got in, he was a B player as a freshman. And, you know, he started every game but Sterling. Unfortunately, he tore his MCL late against Galesburg. But his, his best friend, Cade Miller, stepped in for him. And, and those dudes worked their tails off. I mean, the most underrated position in football by far. But to have five seniors and – I mean, we averaged 10 yards a carry on 23 power. I mean, that is impressive. <laughs> Averaging 10 yards a carry, and as good as Kane was, we, we don't do that without our running back, our, our offensive line. So kudos to them. Shout out to our big boys up front. They did a great job as well. I, I was absolutely going to bring up the offensive line, and if they had a play of the year, I think it's got to be the first play from scrimmage in that Sterling game. I mean, you talk about Sterling's been watching game film all week. They know who Kane Smith is and what you're going to do. And yet the hole is huge and he runs right through it. I don't know if he was touched. It was like a Jersey Grays. Not very, let's say he's untouched. We'll just untouched. go with that. Yep. That's the story. He's untouched. That's, that's impressive. That's, that's a highlight moment for an offensive line for Kane Smith. Because like I said, it's the first play of the game. So you know yeah. – everybody's geared up. Everybody's fresh. Everybody's ready to go. So how awesome was that to kind of set the tone in that game? So John and I had grown pretty close. Um, he'd almost kind of been a mentor to me. I always like to ask him questions. Um, and it was funny. We were talking. He's like, well, here's what I know. We're going to run power and you're going to run power. And I said, yeah, it's almost like dueling powers. And, um, you know, a lot of coaches like to do f fancy things or take a shot in the first play. And, I'll be honest, I haven't done much of that. I tried to against Galesburg. Ball almost gets picked off. You know, we didn't protect. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So yeah. all week, kids were like, what are we going to run first play? Because normally our first play is our first play in practice all week. Okay. And um, we scored the first play of the game against Allman on 23 power. So I said, well, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're going to run power. The only wrinkle was I wasn't I – I, I thought I knew how they were going to line up based on some looks they'd given against our, our main two-by-two formation. And 
So I wanted just in case if they lined up differently to put that little yo-yo motion with our Kaiser, our H-back. And it ended up working out great because when he came over, they were rolling back. And then when he, by the time he'd come back, they had rolled over, but he had got, that guy had gotten a little farther outside because we didn't have an, we didn't occupy that hat. So he was unoccupied, but cause he had kind of gotten messed with a little bit with that motion and opened up that alley. And then all 34 saw green grass and he was gone. So Simon looked at me, Simon always tells me two things. One quarterback sneak it or two coaches run power behind me. And usually when the big man tells me to do something, I'm not always going to listen. Uh, but I was like, Simon, what do you think? He's like, good call, coach. It's about time you listened. And I'm like, I always listen to you. But uh, he really they, – they had so much fun. And, and I couldn't think of a better way to end the season against a, a better opponent, to be honest with you. What was your mindset going into that one? Because obviously Sterling was banged up. They had some guys missing in action. But, um, you know, they still have so many weapons. You know, th that team program, year in and year out, the depth is always there. What was your mindset going in? Did you expect it to be that kind of shootout game? No. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, I knew how, well, first of all, how well coached they are. Second of all, how, you know, they are a very talented group. And up front, they're very good on both sides of the ball. I thought probably – them and Allman had the best defense that we had faced. You know, I know Galesburg statistically had been better going into our game, but we had a lot of respect for Allman because they had, you know, big Rudy Glancy and Charlie Jagusa up front, uh, and their linebackers were pretty good. So we knew their linebackers loved to hit. Uh, Semester and, and Napper, they had good safeties that would tackle. You know, most safeties in high school don't like to tackle. Um, and offensively, we were prepared for Ryan – and it didn't look like it because Aponte is a similar, you know, kid in terms of a super dynamic athlete. Um, it worked out for them, but we were prepared for a lot, a lot of running quarterback run, um, scrambling in the pocket. You know, I think Ryan's a sophomore, so, you know, his natural instinct as an athlete is he's going to pull the ball down and run. So when you put Aponte back there, he's the same way, right, natural athlete. So, you know, to us it was the nice thing about our kids is, They've gotten – they've taken some losses in their career, but Sterling had just joined the conference the year before. So as much as Sterling has this history, our kids don't have that history with them. So yeah. I'll be honest, Quincy and Moline is like a stigma in our kids' brains for a long time. Like, oh, it's been – we've had some bad ones against them. They've, they've gotten after us a little bit. So going in, I was like, oh, we're on a three-game win streak. Like, so I, we got one. I said one is cool, but two is better. We got two. We said two is cool, but three is better. We got three, and I said, three is cool, but four is better. And why not go out of the bank? Like, why not us? And John didn't tell me. Everybody apparently knew that Kale was out except for me. So <laughs> he literally told me after halftime of the, the preliminary game, the first off game, yeah, you're going to get excited sevens out. I'm like, what? And, like, of course you're like, oh, advantage UT. For us, like, that's a win because he's such a good player. But you never want, like – I feel so bad for that kid. Sure. You know, he posted, yeah. he retore his ACL. Yep. Um, you don't want that for anybody, especially a kid who works so hard and, you know, puts a lot into it. So going into it, we said, you know, we got nothing to lose. And the week before, you know, they were in a shootout with Moline. And I'm biased, but I thought we had the best offense in the conference. So I thought we're not going to do it the way Moline did. I mean, bombs over Baghdad, but um, we knew it was going to be tough. 
they're physical team, but we think we're a pretty physical team with this group, and and we wanted to go out swinging. So, yeah, and absolutely, that game was you know both teams had their you know we're, we're going out swinging. When we were down ten, there was about they had just scored. Uh, Dasla turned the ball over. They scored right before the fourth quarter. Okay. And then we got the ball back. Dasla turned it over at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They scored right away. So we got the ball back. It was like 10:56. We were down 10. Okay. Yep. Um, so it was pretty simple. We got to go down and score. We got to get a stop. And we hadn't – we'd gotten really a stop before half because they had the ball close. We held them to a field goal. Huge possession for us. Because it looked a little reminiscent to the year before against Sterling, where it was 21 to seven going into the second quarter, and they scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes. So now it's 35 to seven, and all of a sudden the wind was taken out of our sails. So obviously it was a little closer than that, but you know we had had that lead in the second quarter. They kind of made a run. Third quarter, me rate, we made a run. It was crazy. It was truly a game of runs. So we, you know, in my mind, I'm like, we got to work quick, but I'm not going to go in a hurry. We're going to take our time. And we go down, and we basically got down there, and then we started to shoot ourselves in the foot. So yeah. when we had gotten down there, you know, we had – we ran a wrong route. Um, we, got a, we got another penalty, and then Dasa took a sack, and I'm screaming at him. Yeah. Mr. I started 15 games. Are you going to learn not to take a dang sack in the red zone? So call timeout, uh, and we're fourth and goal from the 18, and <laughs> – I don't like to draw things up in the sand, but this was like one of those, like, we got to have it moments. So it was kind of like the touchdown we got against Moline before half was a little bit of a drawing up in the sand. Now the personnel out there was, uh, you know, we call it empty cat where we put Travell at R and Dakari usually goes to H. Well then we, our, our other receiver had gone out with a concussion. So I was like, all right, we got our kicker in at receiver who's plays receiver. And Derek in, who's primarily a corner, and we got DK Travell. I'm like, all right, we're going to put both of you on the same side. And I called the play, and the play I called was not going to work. And then John called a timeout. And I was like, thank you, Lord, because <laughs> we were going to try to run a post with Travell like we ran against Moline, and they played way inside. And I was like, oh, boy, this is not going to be open. But it was like, we'll let it ride and see if we can win. Well, he called timeout. Thank you, John. Oh, <laughs> He doesn't know this. But then they come over and we change the play. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to run this over here because they were playing straight cover zero. Just take everybody out of the picture. And then I said, DK and Travell, we're going to run wheel, post wheel. And Doss like, coach, I'm not going to have time. I said, Doss, you got to read the corner right off the bat. If we get inside, just throw the ball to the middle of the field. DK will be there. If he doesn't get inside, Travell should have leverage on the wheel. So normally I, you know, he likes Travell. I, I like Travell. I thought for sure he's going to throw the, the to the Travell on the wheel, but I saw DK get inside, but I was looking at the pass rush and Das got hit pretty good. He just floated it up and Farnham was getting pressure. Trevor, uh, Trayvon Jordan getting pressure all day and he stayed in there and he took a hit now, but he put it out there. DK caught it. I'm like, okay, step one. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Um, and unfortunately, they were unreal, and they stuffed us, I think, six times on two-point conversions. If we would have made all of our two-point conversions, we would have been fine. We would have <laughs> won the game. We wouldn't yeah. have needed the last drive. But we didn't. They were really good. They get so tough down there. And then, you know, I think the, the series of the year 
for our team. You know, just defense is much maligned with how many points we gave up and stuff, but we were outstanding against the run all year until Sterling, and they run what we run, and they're good at it. So it was a tough night for us, but, you know, we had two timeouts left, three timeouts left, two or three timeouts left. <laughs> I can't remember. But people were kind of criticizing me for not taking timeouts right away, but we've got our chart up in the booth. Coach Howe, who just joined us this year, he's been a college coach for the last 17 years, great addition to the staff, uh, really helped us out on the defensive end. I was like, okay, what's our prog progression? He goes, you're probably going to have to live with what happens on first and second downs, and then we'll want to use it on third down. I'm like, okay, well, we got to stop on first down, and, and they got a couple yards and got another good play on second down. So we're like, all right, after third down, we're going to use it. Well, third down, Lamont makes a huge play and hits, I think it was a Ponte or Howard in the right for a one-yard loss. Boom, call timeout. Well, now we've got two some – Two, two and some chains left on the clock. And I'm like, okay, this is good. This is, we've got time. And they get off the punt, the snap's high. It almost goes over the kid's head. And I, yeah. my heart drops. I'm like, yes. Like, we're going to get the ball on their side of the field. And then the kid just absolutely booms one all the way down. And we had just put Lamont at punt returner because we weren't, we guys weren't catching punts. And, and my, my rule is we got to at least catch it. So Lamont did a great job all week in practice. But it goes over his head and starts rolling, but he gets around it, and then it hopped right into his belly, which was a good thing because it probably would have went down to the five. And we end up getting the ball at the 13, and it's like, all right, well, this is it, fellas. I mean, we got the, the, all the marbles are on the tape. Um, and it's really good when you've got 11 seniors out there uh, to do it. So, yeah, I mean, we're in the last drive, and the first play we ran a speed out, and we ran double slant over here because DK and Travell had met each other on our cross double slant. So I was like, we can't do that again. That almost killed two of them. Uh, and double slant was wide open. So I'm yelling at Das because he's not throwing the ball. He didn't throw the ball there. But when I go back and watch, he threw the speed out and he hit our receiver in the face mask. So we that would have been a first down, right? Yep. Again, getting out of our minus zone. And we call screen on second down because they were getting such good pressure and they're running cover zero. And Farnham knocks the ball down. Danger picks it off. And everybody's yelling. I knew everyone was like, why are you running the ball? And I'm like, relax. We had a plan. We knew, we knew. I mean, you're in four-down territory. So if you don't get yards on first and second down, yep. we're going to run the ball on third down. And whatever we get, we want to we want to lengthen the distance we got to go. We, we called counter stick. Um, we didn't run to the left like we normally do behind Simon and Tay-Tay. We actually ran it right. And Kane cut it back, and all of a sudden he broke it. And we're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And then I'm getting yelled at, slow down, slow down, <laughs> slow down. And we've got – we put in a tempo called NASCAR. So NASCAR, I kind of hit the NASCAR symbol. And we do everything off wristbands. So NASCAR is – there's only like our favorite 12 plays on there. That's it. Okay. So they can find it quick. We line up in a default formation unless I call trips. Um, we, you know, default formation in the boundary. And I'm hitting a NASCAR. And they're yelling at me, slow down. And I'm like, no, because I know how good Sterling gets when they get down there, right? Yeah. So my mindset is we're not going to take this for granted. We got them on their heels. Let's go score. So we, I think we called the smash uh, to Travell, and he's wide open, and he catches it, but they called him out on the one-yard line. 
Like his body was in. Yeah. I think if there's a pylon cam, <laughs> I think he was in. But we won't regret it because it all worked out, right? Yep. So this is where it gets funny because we're first in goal and you guys, everyone's yelling, slow down. And okay. I've listened to the podcast. You guys talk about our game. Yeah. And everybody thinks we took a knee. Okay. Let's, yeah. We did not take a knee. Okay. I, he called timeout. John called timeout for the first time. We called quarterback sneak and Dasla fumbled the snap. Oh, okay. And Christian recovered it. It was right, like. Just fell on it. Grabbed it from one of their D linemen. Just grabbed it. I mean, it was this close. Like, when you oh. watch the film, we almost lost the ball. So, all the kids are like, why don't we run quarterback sneak more? I said, well, we're more likely to fumble the snap if we just give the ball to 34 out of the shotgun. You know, everyone has this philosophy of that makes no sense to, you know, go backwards and go forwards. So, Simon's yelling at me, just run quarterback sneak behind me. Okay. Okay. He fumbles the snap. Mother trucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, well, we're not running quarterback sneak again. So he called timeout again, second down. Okay, that's fair. And we're like, all right, well, we're going to do what we do. I'm not, we're going to shotgun. We're going to run right behind. We're going to run behind Tay-Tay, pulling Simon, we'll give the ball 34. Yep. And Kane was right there. And here we go again. You know, we get down to the, the inside the two and that defense, like, I don't know what they do or how they practice it, but they're freaking good. They lock it down. Yeah, they, they lock they, it down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they're the best defense in the conference. Yep. But, like, that's the got-to-have-it zone, and they're on another level in the got-to-have-it zone. <laughs> Most teams just fold. I'll be honest, they do. Yeah. And they drove us back. I mean, we didn't lose yards, but I thought Kane was close. Didn't well, and, he had to a, us. and Kane had a good push. on the. I mean, yeah. it was a good play call, and he had a good push on it. But like you said, Sterling's guys up front, man, they're stout. And they, and they, hold, they hold their ground. And so – yeah, that's so anyway, so he, yeah, so he gets stuck, you know, Smith gets, you know, caught up at the, yeah, like one or two, didn't really lose mm -hmm. yards, but didn't gain it, obviously. Yep. So then um, I don't think he called timeout after that play and we ran the ball again. No, he did call timeout. And then we ran the ball again um, on that third down and we got in. Yep. But they called assisting the runner. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, th I, I get pretty animated. I'll be honest. I'm a pretty <laughs> animated person. And I don't remember this, but I started yelling, if you're calling what I think you're calling, I'm going to lose my mind. So my offensive line coach, Coach Williams, actually grabbed me by the belt and started pulling me back because he goes, he's calling what you think you're calling. He's yeah. calling. I'm like, how are we going to call? And I'm yelling at him. And John calls his last time out. And I'm like, I'm yelling at the ref. And I'm glad somebody told me to stop because I he he gave me the look like you're about to get a flag. And I'm like, okay, time to calm down. Yeah. Like Simon, Doss, and all I got, coach, calm down. We got it. Well, now we're third and goal from the five. And yeah. whew, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at my play sheet and I'm racking the brain. And and deep down, I'm like, we should probably run the ball, you know? And Christian goes, Coach, why pop? And I like looked at him. <laughs> And then Doss is like, I don't know, coach. They're getting pressure because he knows he doesn't want to take a sack. Yeah. And Simon's like, no, run the ball behind me. And I'm like, well, we've tried that the last two times. It didn't work out. <laughs> uh, but that lineman still wants it. Oh, yes. Heck yes, he won. <laughs> All of them won. And then I kind of thought about it. And we practice Y-pop every Thursday 
Well, every Wednesday we do red zone. Okay. And every Thursday uh, we basically do like 10 of our best plays that we like. We, we like to keep it short. And then our top six red zone plays. And it usually is just our, our jumbo and heavy. But I always usually threw Y pop in there. So I kind of look at them and I'm like, we literally haven't ran it all year. And we make it look like power. We pull the guard. So really try to get the linebacker up. Yep. We don't teach the jump pass. I just want to preface with that. Okay. Um, and Coach Williams, who always says to run power, is like, that's not a bad idea. And they're kind of sitting there, and I'm like, all right, we're going to run Y-pop. And Doss has kind of got this look like, Coach, you can't take a sack. I'm like, I got it. I said, if you don't like it, hit the school. I literally told him, hit the school. And he kind of laughed. Because <laughs> you can't throw the ball away in high school, but Christian's going to be right at the back of the end zone. So just yep. throw it over his head. We're good. They're not going to call intense for the ground. And if they did, Coach Ruff probably would have got a flag. But <laughs> not a problem. So I don't even watch the reception because I'm watching everything up front. Like, if it's open, he'll throw it. If not, he'll throw it away. And he did his – we do like a play action fake with – and I teach him to dip his, dip his shoulders to kind of hide the ball, right? And I see Jordan coming, and he sweeps through, and I'm like, that's – we work on that. And then all of a sudden he jumped. I'm like, why are we jumping? Why are we jumping? Like, he's probably throwing it against the school, right? And he throws it, and, like, you can't see because Christian kind of, like, turned from where I was – and everyone's like this, and I'm like, did he catch the ball? Did he catch the ball? He never drops the ball. So yeah. I had faith. And then it was a sw- – it, it felt like 30 seconds. And he puts his hands up, boom. And everyone is just losing their mind. And we had decided before, because we got stuffed so many times, that we were going to try the kick. And the only reason why we didn't kick all year is we, didn't, we weren't great snapping the ball. We had a yeah. good kicker. Doss was a good holder. But we just weren't consistent with the snap. So – we actually moved a sophomore up before the Sterling game to snap. Wow. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure if this is the moment I want to throw a sophomore <laughs> out in a varsity game. I'd rather just run my 11 seniors out there and try to get a two-point. But yeah. if we score, it's only 46-44. They've got good kickers. And in my mind, I'd rather miss this PAT than get stuffed for the seventh time on a two-point. Yeah. Good snap. Good hold. Makes it through, we're up three, and I'm already racking my brain like, all right, we're, we were talking about are we going to go to our, our three-man front, our prevent defense. You know, it was under a minute. I think there was like 35 seconds left. And I'm like, well, they're probably going to run the ball, so why not keep our four-man? We're, we're going back and forth. And a special teams coach, they had had some good returns on us, and he's like, Coach Williams to a special team, like, what about a sky kick? I'm like, when have we done a sky kick? Well, we haven't. So now we're going to do it. All right, cool. Let's do it. And Laz didn't kick it where he was supposed to, but he kicked it just like we, we talk about. We're wanting to go, you know, high left. He goes high right. Anxiety's through the roof. And then the kid hit him, and it, like, it kicked, like, 10 yards. So I'm like, we got to get the ball. And Laz, the kicker, is the one who recovered it. And then I, then I got excited. Yeah, so then yeah. everybody started losing their mind. And um, we do a thing called the mock game on Thursday. And it's basically to practice, like, sudden changes and special teams to make sure we always got 11 on the field. And then, like, we'll throw in, like, oh, Dawson's out. Backup quarterback's got to come in or whatever. Um, and we always end with the victory formation. <laughs> and the kids love it, you know, and, like, victory. And they're like, all right, we're just getting ready for what we're going to do tomorrow night. Right. That's, that's what they say. 
and I love it. If you can get in victory, it's best formation in football. So, like, I turned around, and all of our seniors were just yelling, victory! And, like, you know, <laughs> they run out there, and, and what a culmination. You know, tip your cap to the Golden Warriors for, you know, my opinion, the most exciting game uh, in the big six this year. Yeah. Um, and what a finish for our seniors and our program. And I, I'll be honest, after the game, I told the kids, I said, there's only before the game, I said, there's only two times a team knows they're playing their last game teams that don't make the playoffs and teams that make it to the state championship. We don't have playoffs. We're playing the number five team in five. This is our state championship. So yeah. after the game, I told them, fellas, this is one heck of a way to go out, right? But in honesty, I don't know if they would have ever felt the way they do unless we won the state championship. Because say we made it to the quarterfinals or second round or playoffs and we didn't end on a win, they wouldn't feel the way they do, you know? So yep. it was truly a storybook ending for our guys. Yeah, and I mean, if there is a silver lining in this, you know, spring shortened season – that's it. You know, these guys get to walk off, you know, helmets above their head because they yeah. want it, you know. How – I guess you kind of referenced it there, but what were the conversations like that night and, you know, the following days with those seniors kind of, you know, trying to sum up what they did, you know, what they did for this program and what they did for this school because, you know, football is a big focus. Regardless of how well basketball, softball, volleyball, track, anything's doing – Football is a big focus. What did you say to them? What were the conversations like with those seniors that really did something special here at UT? Well, after the game, I, you know, we talked about there's no better way to go out. But I, I'll be honest, we just thanked them. We thanked them for, you know, for personally for me, it came in when I got hired. I was 28 years old. I'd never been a head coach. And, you know, a guy – who didn't grow up where they grew up from, but, you know, had been in the area and just thanked them for believing and trusting me, but also trusting our entire coaching staff. Cause we, we only had about three, three or four holdovers from the previous coaching staffs. Um, I, I reminded them that, you know, what everything they'd been through, um, not knowing to having a season to um, having a season and people doubting us and you know I the thing I think that's really underrated about our kids is like it's hard to not win and it's hard to not win and be reminded all the time that you hadn't won you know every newspaper article mentioned our losing streak regardless like in our 2019 season how competitive the game was and every postseason preseason write-up had mentioned our losing streak. And not to hear it just from that aspect, and I understand why they do. I get it. Like that, that doesn't really bother me anymore. It didn't. It doesn't bother me <laughs> It did. It did. Uh, but to also hear it from, like, your classmates, you know? Yep. Um, and I understand it's no hard feelings against our kids, but I always just remind them of the man in the arena, you know? Like, what a great speech of it's easy to criticize you but they don't know what you've been through. And, you know, everyone talks about the history and the losing streak. And I just reminded them, you didn't know part of that. Now your legacy is 
you're the group that put UT back on the map, that made people excited about UT football, that legitimately makes people in this area respect the program again. And, you know, I am forever indebted to these seniors because we bonded. And, you know, every group is special. Seniors last year special. You know, it's my eighth year coaching. Every group is special, and we've been on some really good ones. Been to a state championship. Been 0-9. Uh, been 1-8. So every group is special. But for me, because of the context of what we've been through and for them to stick it out, you know, if you go ask every coach in the big six, they, we lost kids that we thought we were going to have. And for, we lost seven seniors. Now we didn't lose any seniors that we thought would be a Kane Smith, right? All those guys came back, but you know, we lost kids and for these kids to stick it out and stay with it. Um, it was just so special. And I told him like, you don't want to take that Jersey off. You don't want to leave the field. I don't blame you. Don't take your time. And then I got in there after the post-game interview with Joe, the show on QC sports Net, And I was like, all right, fellas, can we get going? Cause I want to go celebrate. <laughs> uh, and, and I told him, if you want to keep your pads on, keep your pads on. And then, you know, I think it was one of those things though, where it's really hard to take it off when you have regrets, but they had no regrets. You know, there might be a, what if here, what if there, but, you know, I don't know if we go win four in a row if we don't lose our first two. I don't know if we accomplish what we do uh, in a regular season without having to go through what they had to go through with COVID. You know, everything that happens to you makes you who you are. And everything this group had been through made them who they are. And I, I couldn't be more proud of them. And I know our entire coaching staff and community couldn't be more proud of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for me and, and for Mitch too, you know, starting this podcast, you know, you guys were the story of the year. You know, I talked about it at the beginning of the podcast too. You know, you guys were so much fun to follow. And, you know, I just, you know, was so happy for that group, you know, for those seniors especially, but for your entire team, for those players, because that's got to be an awesome feeling to know that, You've thought about it. You've worked at it. You've practiced. You've been in games. And to have the results happen and to make something out of this spring season and to really, you know, get UT football on the map and change that culture, that's, you know, that's something that doesn't happen every year for programs. And it doesn't happen sometimes 10 and 20 years for programs. So, you know, it's awesome for, for these kids to make that happen. And it's such a great story. Well, Nick, before we wrap up, we got to do our we got to do our no huddle offense here. We got to do some quick questions. Yep. So I think we got to start with you were a former high school college quarterback. Mm -hmm. Did you ever throw a jump pass? <laughs> you got to think about it. Did I ever throw a jump pass in a game? Yes. I don't think so. Okay. But in high school, my old quarterback coach used to make me practice it. So okay. It, we always had a period uh, where we practiced throws we never think we'd have to make. Okay, there you so, go. No, I don't think so in a game. I think so in a game. 
and I don't think we've ever even practiced it with Oslo. I was so just going to ask. Impressive. I was just yeah. going to ask you that. What did you ask him about it after the game? After it happened. I said, uh, people are calling you Dasla Tebow. And he said, oh, that guy's not that good. And I said, oh. I kind of laughed. And I said, no, but it's a moment. And he, he started laughing. He was like, I don't know, coach. It, it just happened. And I was like, all right, well, I ain't mad at you because it worked. Yeah, <laughs> and he still yeah. threw a good ball. So Yes. Well, and Mitch Stormer pointed out in our podcast that actually Gadian's pass was better than Tebow's. Yeah. It was a more it wasn't that high floater. It was a more no. accurate pass. So No. And you know, <laughs> I just like to make the D1 guy miss, you know, and then to stay in there. I just what a great play. What a great yeah. play call, Christian Kaiser. Nice job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and having one of your players call it. It's great. All right, well, let's stick with let's stick with your playing days. What was your favorite play to run? either in college or in high school? Did you have a play that you were like, yeah, let's do it. That's, that's the money. So my senior year at Augie, we, we switched to triple option, which made no sense because I ran about <laughs> as fast of a 40 as Tom Brady. Uh, but we were pretty good at it, and we would run play action post wheel, and we had two really good outside receivers, Tori Harrell, who was from Bloomington, but Nick Krantz, who was from Moline, uh, and anytime we could get those two uncorked on the post because the safety would step up on the front side play action, just throw it to the hash, Coach Connors used to always say, and <laughs> let your gazelles run. So that was probably my favorite play to run. Awesome. All right. Switching to uh, Nick Welch, football coach. Who's the football coach? I've asked a lot of coaches this. Who's the coach in the college ranks or the NFL that you'd love to add to your staff, that you want to pick their brain? And you want them dissecting your plays and helping you with play calling. That's hard. There's so when we do all of our stuff, I always have quotes for our kids on like meetings and stuff. Yep. There's three that are always prevalent. And I'm it's pretty obvious. Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban, and Davo Sweeney. And okay. the kids kind of make fun of me. <laughs> and I said, Well, if I'm gonna listen to anybody, I'm gonna listen to those guys. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a big Urban Meyer fan. Um, I'm reading his book, um, his leadership book, and it's really good. I haven't always been an Urban Meyer fan, but as I read his material, it's really good on leadership and building culture. So if I had to add one, it's going to be Bill Belichick for sure. Okay. What, I mean, have you studied him or what, um, what do you see as an offensive mind, you know, you being an offensive guy, what, what do you see from him or what, what is it that, that you like that, I just the to the success he's had yep in the NFL is unprecedented yep. and the players continue to change and now they lose time and of course the results don't go well but <laughs> for the most part um the level of consistency and just you know the patriot way you know and now you see people criticizing it and like it's not fun and it's not this and it's not that it's just funny to me that those are the guys that get booted and it's never the guys that were key contributors to everything that they've done. Right. Yeah. So yeah. to me, they're a little salty, but about him, I mean, you always know going into a game, he's going to take away your best. Right. So you think about his uh, coaching and then the more I've learned and like how more involved he is in offense than he portrays, you know, and, watching videos of like him meeting with Tom and 
Tom bouncing ideas off him and Bill telling him things. And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be a defensive guy. I mean, my whole <laughs> life I played offense, but you know, I have a lot of respect for those kind of guys and for him to do it at that level is, is literally second to none. Yep. Yep. All right. Last one. Speaking of coaches, who do you like coaching against the most in the Western big six? Who's the, who's the battle you look forward to, you know, the X's and O's and all that. Well, I think we've got good coaches at every school. You know, it's yep. sad to see Wash and DePorter step down. I'm pretty shocked about Wash, but, you know, everyone's got to do what's best for them. Um, I like coaching against John and, the guy, and Mike at Sterling. Okay. Um, again, John is a very – there are a lot of great guys, but I talked to John quite a bit until we that game week. We didn't talk very much. Sure. Um, but he's just – he works so hard and I know how much time he puts in all these guys do, but that dude is like relentless and it's nonstop and he's always yeah. consumed by football. And just for me last year, my first year we lost to them and I was sitting in the locker room with my head in my hands and he actually came into our locker room and, and came and talked to me. And that's kind of how it started. Um, but I like coaching against him the most because I know they're going to punch us in the mouth I know they're going to, you know, do everything they can to beat our butts. And, um, you know, that's the perennial program in our conference. So, to me, that's, that's who you got to – that's the top dog. Oh, that's where I want to be. So Yeah. See, but he's always the guy who says, oh, we just got good players. I don't know if I do anything. But he's got to be doing something right, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> any good coach I think would say that. Um, yeah. I think – you know, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's. But Oh, he's told me that in postgame before, that exact quote. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's what you get out of your players. And, you know, as guys go down and they get hit with quarantine contact tracing the night of a game and they go out and they, you know, that Moline game, they're down 27 to 6 or whatever and come yeah. back and win. I mean, I, I, I'll say this. Players win games. Um, but there's a reason we, they call us coach. And I think John does an outstanding job, but I also know that he's got really good coaches with him, like Mike LeMay and uh, Coach Bailey. And those dudes are really, you know, I've gotten to know some of those guys. They're great people. And I think great people get the most out of their kids. And, you know, I also like Ben and Mike and uh, Larry and, you know, Rick. All those guys are good dudes, but John's, John's a really good dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, um, we are very fortunate uh, on this side of the state in the Western big six to just like you said, have a bunch of really good leaders, a bunch of really good coaches, you know, guys who know X's and O's and who make football fun, but also at the end of the day, you know, good guys to sit down and talk to. And, and, and you know, you included, you know, a great story this year. Thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to it. We'll talk again before, uh, you know, before the fall rolls around and we'll get a, we'll get more of a fall preview, but uh, you know, it's fun to look back at this forward too. I'm sure you enjoy looking back at it too. Yes. We're like, I told the kids, we, we loved it. We're excited, but uh, I've told the new group that the seniors put us on the map. It's our job to keep us on the map and uphold that legacy. Um, you know, all the success from this spring is no, you know, it's, not going to make us win games in the fall. So yep. we got to keep those seniors legacy going and we're going to have a, we're going to have to replace a lot of experience, but this was good to be able to, you know, 
I make jokes. It's like, I want to enjoy this a little bit. And it's not a lot of time to enjoy it. So <laughs> it was good to take an hour today and enjoy it. And in two hours, we'll be back in the weight room with our afternoon group, focusing on getting ready for the fall. So Awesome. Well, good luck in the, uh, you know, the off-season workouts and as the workouts turn into, you know, summer and then into the fall. And uh, we'll catch up soon, but thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thanks for this uh, great show you guys do and the exposure you give our kids and, and the Western Big Six and all of Western Illinois. We appreciate it. Hey, it's, it's our pleasure. So thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. 